born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But I wanted you to see something here, because we're talking about learning how to please somebody else and not just ourselves. Because in everything you do in life, sometimes you do something because it pleases somebody else. And if you can do it, then do it. But don't think everybody in this whole world is made to please me. Everybody's here to make me happy. And if you don't make me happy, I'm going to be upset. And I'm going to have a temper tantrum. You ever seen an adult throw one? Oh, those are ugly. I've seen some parents have little kids. And they'll get in a restaurant, and if they don't get their way, they scream and holler. And they just want to go up there and slap the parents. And they don't discipline their kids, and the kids just scream and throwing stuff. And, all that. and the kids get away with murder. But anyway, look in the middle of part of this verse. In verse 33, right in your note. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, that he may please his wife. Because of the times. Because of the time. Now look in your Bible to chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 26. There are, because of the present distress, sometimes there's, you can do something, but it may not be the wisest thing to do. Paul is not talking about single people shouldn't get married. If single people ain't going to get married, who in the world is going to get married? Oh, just the old folks. (laughs) I know a story about a, a woman, she was 90 years old. And she wanted to get married. And so she found a guy that was 85 years old, and she got him to marry her. The only problem was, he'd already done lost his mind. And then the kids became very upset because they knew that if he marries his mom, mama's on the, you know, she's on the banana peel, and she's ready to get into the grave, and all of the inheritance is going to be gone to this guy. So they knew they had to break this thing up, especially when the man is done gone loony. And so <laughs> they had it annulled and uh, took care of that. And uh, since then, she has passed away. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Don't tell who was that. I'm not going to tell you. Anybody in the church? No. So, um, but it is true, ain't it, Betty? Betty knows. Betty knows everything. But now notice what it says here in verse 26. I suppose, therefore, that this is good and that Next few words, you ought to underline it in your Bible. For the present distress, I say that it is good for a man so to be. And he said, because of the times that we're in and there's problems that they were having, it's good because if a man takes a wife 
it's not only that it affects, you know, his service. Now he got to learn how to please the wife too. A married person has to please God, but now he's also got to please the wife. Do you think the wife and God are always on the same page? Why, of course, because when you married her, she, she gets to be perfect now. She doesn't do anything wrong. She wants everything. <laughs> woman tells her mother, says, Mom, I, I want to marry Jack, but um, he doesn't believe in hell. She says, you go ahead and marry him. We'll teach him. <laughs> he will when we get through with him. <laughs> so, anyway, look at the... Next statement here. Look in verse 34. Down in verse 34. It says, There is a difference. There is a difference. Also between a wife and a virgin. You say, well, of course there is. And there is, of course, a difference. A wife has a husband and the virgin doesn't have a husband. The unmarried woman care for the things of the Lord. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So there is a temporary pleasing, and with the Lord, a permanent pleasing God. So you have more stress put upon you. you got more things to think about. It's one thing to go through life single, and all you got is your own problems. But when you get married, he said, we two can live as cheaply as one, but only half as long. But you've got another problem because your wife is going to have problems. The husband is going to have problems. And so these two problems marry each other. So it's not just i got to just think about what God wants me to do. No, you've got to live life. And then you go, here comes, here comes little Johnny and, and, and uh, little Betty and um, little Lizzie and uh, a little Matt and uh, a little Kay and a, a little Sybil. And you can have all kind of kids. Now, does that put more pressure upon you? And if the times are hard and times are bad, it may be wise not to get married at that point. So you you got to look at not just the, the signs of time and whether or not, well, I can handle it. But you got to realize there's problems. And it can put additional pressure upon you. And so that's why we take those words and uh, verse 35 and we see without distraction. It means you have more distractions than you would have if you weren't married. So Paul says in the, uh, look at that real quick, chapter 7, look there in verse 8. He said, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So I don't believe Paul was at this point married. They say he was probably a member of the Sanhedrin at one time and had to be married if he was. I don't know, but whatever it is, he said, I would rather you be like me because that way you can give yourself totally to the Lord and serve God and go anywhere you want. But whenever you want to go someplace and serve the Lord, like I've seen some guys who wanted to go to the mission field, and the wife says, I ain't going. I've seen a man break down and weep because he wanted to go serve the Lord full time, and the wife says, no, you're not. I ain't going. Now what you going to do? You ain't going because you can't. What are you going to do, leave your wife? I left my wife for the cause of Christ. <laughs> that sounds good, but some people ain't going to say, if you can't control your own wife, you're not going to be very good at the head of anything because everybody wonder, well, where, where's your wife? And have you had kids? You see, you can do better if you do, but you don't have to have, and you don't have to have a wife. I remember when Lee Patton decided that he was going to San Antonio, and he wasn't married. 
After a while, he started to ranch, and he did that. Then he decided to start a church. And I says, Lee, I don't know about you starting a church. I says, you're, you're not married. I says, there's going to be people that's not going to believe you know what you're talking about because everybody knows that a preacher only knows what he's talking about because he's got a wife to train him. <laughs> and she can teach all kinds of things. And you got people in the audience that they're going to be married and they don't think you know what you're talking about. How are you going to teach on the family? So anyway, <laughs> he got a secretary. And next thing you know, he fell in love with the secretary. But he couldn't date the secretary because they wouldn't look good. And she was a volunteer. So he fired her. No, he had to pay her. And then, so he fired her. And then he started dating her. And then he married her and got a secretary and don't have to pay her a cent. <laughs> he did pretty good. He did all right. Now, if you're doing the tribulation period, you may want to think twice about, you know, how far you want to go. Do you want to get married or not? But anytime you do, you're accepting more responsibilities. And because of the present distress, it may not be as wise as you think because you may not be wise enough to handle all the additional problems that may come from that. And there can be many. But um, anyway, look at that on your next note. You have here in uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, verse 33. He says, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. Now, some people, that's all they want is what profits them. I would like to believe that most of my ministry has been because I'm trying to train other people because I want them to profit. I want them to be able to win souls. You know, what really blesses my little pee-picking heart is the other day when I had um, John Henry call me up. And he says that in the last few weeks, he's had about 50-something people trust Christ as Savior. But he get on the ball. John Henry's coming. But anyway, because he was having those people trust the Lord, he was excited about that. And I says... That's how I wanted you to think. That's how I've been wanting you to feel. I wanted you to experience some of the same stuff that I've had for 50-something years. Isn't it a great thing to know that you took a couple of years out of your life and you learned some things that can profit you now for the rest of your life? We spent a few years with a guy named Greg Steer. And now he's got quite a few people that he's led to the Lord. But is that worth it? See, you want them to have that same joy. You know what I want for everybody in the church? I want everybody to experience what God can do in your life. I want you to be pleased and happy that God's way in serving him is the best thing you could have ever done in your whole life. So do that. And he says here, but the prophet of many that they might be saved. So when he talks about the prophet, he's talking about they may be saved. That's profitable for every person you get a chance to witness to that may trust Christ as their Savior. Because look what they had. And a little statement I wrote down because of mine. Poor, yet making many with the Lord. Poor, but making many. Y'all don't know the word. It's a verse in the Bible. Poor, yet poor, yet making many. Huh? Sick. What'd you say? Huh? Well, why don't you say it out loud enough for me to hear you? Rich. Are y'all trying to tell me nobody in here knew the word rich? Huh? Well, you got to speak up. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't be timid. Be bold. Remember, even Paul preached that, Lord, help me to open my mouth boldly as I ought to say. I don't know what I'm going to do with y'all. Y'all wearing me out. All right, look at the next one. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. This is a good verse because... 
the Apostle Paul took a strong stand for the sake of the gospel. And he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him. They called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. But there's not another one. But though there be some who will preach another gospel, he said, but you're trying to pervert the gospel. And though an angel or anybody preach any other gospel than you, they're not preached unto you, let him be accursed. He said, now, does it sound like I'm trying to please people or God? Because you can make a lot of people mad and they get offended. You know, you can talk about Christ and you can talk about grace. You can talk about mercy. You can talk about uh, you're saved um, by grace through faith and alone and without works and blah, blah, blah. As long as they don't get the idea you're talking about eternal security. When you talk about eternal security or once saved, always saved, that changes everything. Because now they know what you're talking about. You're trying to tell me that if I trust Christ as my Savior, I can go to heaven whenever I die and nothing can change that. And it has nothing to do with how I live. Ah, oh, no, no, no. Because most people believe that heaven is a reward for those who deserve to go. Most people sitting in most churches believe heaven is the reward. That God gives to people who deserve to go. And trusting Christ is only because you need his help to live a godly life so you can make it someday. And that ain't going to fly. That dog won't hunt. You trust Christ as your Savior, Him alone, and He gives you eternal life. And it is eternal security. You're eternally secure for the rest of your life. I trusted Christ as my Savior 59 years ago in a little old living room when I was 18 years old, and I've never had to trust Him again. That one drink quenched my thirst forever. And it never has to be done again because I've never had to get saved again because I never could get lost and that makes a difference. So he says, do you think I'm trying to please men or please God? He said, if I was going to please God or if I please men, he said, then I can't be the servant of Christ. You have to make up your mind. Do you serve the Lord because it pleases somebody or do you serve the Lord because you want to please God? Because if it's because of him, then you can do that regardless of what anybody says or does. But if you only do it to please people and it doesn't please people, you're going to quit. Because it won't last long. Because a lot of people, they ain't going to like what you say and do and how you live. Because you're going to offend somebody sometime, somewhere. It's just like all of y'all in here. If I preach long enough, <laughs> you see, you preach long enough, all right. I'm talking about, I'm going to say something you're not going to like. And I have people that write me little letters. Yankee's right on this and this and this, but boy, he's terrible on this. He just doesn't understand the Bible. So I emailed one of them back. I said, just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean that I'm wrong, does it? Just because you don't agree doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't mean that I am, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you. And so sometimes people, they're only as strong as the last person they talk to. Somebody discourages you, I'm discouraged. Somebody encourages you, I'm just encouraged. And you, know, you float like a yo-yo. Yeah. Look at the next statement. In 1 Thessalonians 2.15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they pleased not God. They pleased not God. So there are people, yes, who will please God. There are people who will not please God. I don't want to be one of those people. And you've got to find out, well, what pleases God? It pleases God that we are found faithful. It pleases God that we support His work. It pleases God that we watch how we think and where we go and all those things. So you've got to learn how to please the Lord. And there's some things that doesn't please God. When he says, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. Because he says, the love of the Father is not in you if you do. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just says that you don't love him. He said, if you love me, 
obey me. He said, I love you, but I'm not going to obey you. Uh, he also says another place, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You call me Lord, and that word there means um, like an LM. He's master. If he's the master, then why don't you serve the master? Look at the next statement. It says line 41. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk. Now, it doesn't mean you will walk the right way, but the Word of God tells us how we ought to walk. Should we serve God? Yes. Should we walk right? Yes. Do you have to to go to heaven? No. But if you love the Lord and you want God's blessings, you want to please the Lord, then you're going to have to learn how to walk. You're going to have to learn how to talk. And that's what's revealed through the Word of God. So the Word of God is God's love letter to His children to tell us what He wants us to do. How you ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more, not less and less. As you get older, more and more, more and more, more and more. And in Philippians in chapter 1 talks about uh, that you abound in judgment and in sincerity. And that your love is more and more and more and more. You always keep growing in the Lord, learning. Look at the next scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself that he may please him who have called him to be a soldier. You see, you're in the Lord's army. Now, it's a matter of whether or not you're going to wind up in the brig or get to march in the, uh, the service and go where he wants you to go. Some of God's children, he has to put you in the brig. He just boxes you in and sets you aside and you waste your life and you never get to fight in the battles. You see, some Christians, see, they want to wear the medals but they don't want to fight the battles. They want to try to make a six-foot splash in a six-inch mud puddle. If you want to accomplish something, you're going to have to accomplish something. Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God, and it'll make a difference. So that ye may please him who have chosen him to be. God has chosen you not to be saved. Now, he's chosen to save everybody who will trust him, but the word here is talking about he's chosen us as his children to be a soldier. And a soldier has to go, first of all, before he gets, you know, he has to go to boot camp. And that's where you've got to learn the discipline. Bible college, if a person goes to Bible college, has to learn discipline. It's to learn how to study. You don't learn everything. It's just to get you in the habit of doing the right thing so that later on, on your own, you know what to do and how to do it and how to succeed, how to be found faithful for the rest of your life. It's like whenever I decided I'm going to run away from home, and I did. I joined the Navy. I had no clue what boot camp was like, but I had to go through boot camp. And I remember one time when we went to firefighting, and I loved firefighting. We got all on this great big old hose, a whole line of us, and there's guys ahead of me, and I'm back there, and they set the buildings on fire. And you had to get up there, and then that building's on fire, and black smoke coming out, and they said you get down real low, and you got to get in the door, and you hit this corner, and then you hit that corner, and you hit that corner, and then you hit that corner, and put out the fire. Well, then the next guy has to get on. That guy goes back, and the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy, and the guy that was right ahead of me, he said, I can't take it. I can't stand it. It's too hot. It's in July, in the middle of summer. It's hot, and you're battling fires, and we've been doing it for a while. I says, I'll do it. So he went on back to the back, and I took the thing. And, man, I couldn't. Oh, I was in hog heaven, putting out fires, and, and that thing's just jumping because there's a lot of pressure on that, that hose, that water. 
And I, man, I was putting out fires. And then the guy told me, I said, it's your turn. He said, no, 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 no. I, I, I said, go ahead, I'll, I'll do it again. And I did it for about three or four guys. That night, I went to bed. Next morning, I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't know I'd gotten dehydrated. But I was so dehydrated, I couldn't get out of bed. And they called for everybody to get up and go to mess. And there I am, laying there in my bunk. <laughs> These MPs came in there, and they looked at me and said, Arr! They'd come over and kick the bed and try to wake me up. And I looked up, and, and uh, they said, get up. I said, I'm not moving. And nothing mattered. I didn't get, if I die, I die. But I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I was, I, was, I was dead. So anyway, they got a hold of me and made me stand up anyway. And they marched me to sick bay. Got over there, but there was a line about a mile long. And they wanted me to stand there in line, stand there in line. And it's hot. And I'm, I'm so weak, I can hardly stand up. And so I looked over there, and there was a wall. And I says, I'm going to go lay down. So I just got out of line. <laughs> I walked over to that wall, and I set up against the wall, and I was gone. And here come those MPs again. That's, that's the military police. I'm over there against the wall, and they here they come. And he says, Arnold! I don't know why they have to say my name like that. And uh, so anyway, they said, you got to get in line. I says, I'm not. I can't stand. So they got a hold of me, and they drug me into the, the, the sick bay, into the office. They put me on this little, I guess you call it a gurney. It wasn't a gurney sack. It was just on the table. <laughs> and then they had these interns that was in there. They were learning how to do IVs and stuff. So... <laughs> These two young kids, they're kids. And I couldn't, I, I don't remember much, but I remember I opened my eyes and I'd see them once in a while. And they had put 18 holes in my arm, 18. They couldn't find, we can't find anything. And this one guy walks up and says, oh my God, what have y'all done to him? And I don't, I couldn't see what they were doing. I'm just laying there. And they say, you know, <laughs> this guy, he took the thing and he did it one time like that. But here's these kids, they got to learn on somebody. I thought, let them learn on somebody else. They learned on me. And I don't know if that's what messed up my left arm or not because it took, they took so many shots. And, I don't know what they put in there. But anyway, it cost me a couple months in the hospital. And then when I got out, I had to go back to boot camp because I, I didn't finish boot camp. I was right on the verge. I had about a week ago. So then I had to go back and finish another month and a half or so. And then when I got out of there, I wound up down in uh, Pensacola, Florida. And I'm grading pro to join the Navy and see the world. And I got to go to the commissary store. In Pensacola, Florida. That's as far as my world got. And I'm weighing produce all day in my arm. And this guy come down. And uh, he says, he looked, he saw my arm. He says, what's wrong with it? I says, it's because it was all swollen up. I says, I can't, I can't hardly turn it. So next thing you know, I'm back in six pay. And so then they examined my arm. And so then I wound up getting out of the Navy because of my arm. And they said he had that problem before he came in here, so that was that. I'd already gone to two boot camps <laughs> and I had no problem with my arm until they <laughs> and then it has on my, my record. And this is interesting. Something about this Roswell? Yes, Roswell. And I don't remember going there. I've no idea how long I was messed up, you know, but it's uh, been an interesting life. But you gotta learn how to serve the Lord and please the Lord. When he says down there in Titus 2, 9, to please him well in all things, not answering again means no back talk. 
Let me ask you this. If you know what God wants you to do, do you give him backtalk? Have you ever seen kids that backtalk their parents? Sass their parents? Is that good or bad? That's bad. In other words, if you do that to your parents, I hope when you get married, you'll have 10 kids exactly like you. That'll get you. That'll get you. Last verse here is a good verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Because you see, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Word of God. So if you want to please the Lord, you've got to get some faith. And where do you get faith? From the word of God. So that's why you study the word of God. And so by you coming and listening and learning, you're going to learn a little bit and then a little bit and then a little bit. And that's how you grow. And God will bless you for doing so. Because he says, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek to please him. If you will diligently seek to please the Lord, because you know that God is and he is a rewarder. He's going to reward you for what you do for him. See, salvation, go to heaven, that's free. But what you have when you get there is because of what you did for him. And you can only do for him what you know that pleases him. Because just doing things for God, just because you say, I'm doing this for the Lord. If it ain't what God wants, it ain't going to work. Not going to count. Will not profit you. All righty. Let me show you something you have never seen before. This hand represent you and me. The wallet represent sin. What is sin? Sin is anything that's wrong. It's rebellion against God. It's a transgression of the law. It's going your own way. It's like pride and all the things you do that's not perfect, that's sin. And we have all sinned because there's none perfect. We all have a sinful nature. We've all sinned. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But you see, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. Nobody's perfect. That's why by your good deeds, you'll never be perfect. Could you start today and say, I'm going to be perfect for the rest of my life. All right, so I messed up. But today, I'm going to be determined I'm going to be perfect for the rest of my life. Could you do it? Can you do it? Who wants to try? Don't you think that'd be a noble goal? No, it's a waste of time. Because it's impossible. So God says, you cannot save yourself. That's why we needed a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us and hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ took the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. said the only thing he wanted us to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for us. So when I believe he did it for me, he paid for how many of my sins? All of my sins. And I've got a payment for all of my sins. So the reason I can't go to hell is because I already paid for my sins. I've already paid my debt. I did it in him. Christ did it for me. So I have accepted that's a substitute. He died for my sins. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not do it right now? Or if you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior, let us know. And if you're here in the auditorium and you've never trusted the Lord, in the quietness of this moment, just in your own mind, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died. I believe he paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven when I die. And friend, if you're making that decision, I'd like to know, and I'd like to have prayer for you. And the only way I can do it is, is to talk to you individually, but that would take a while. Or you can just tell me by raising your hand and putting it right back down. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And you say, preacher, that made sense. I trust Christ as my Savior tonight, and I want you to know, and I want you to pray for me in closing. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all?
Father, we are thankful so much for all you've done for us. We have people in the church that are sick and some are recuperating from various surgeries. But Father, we have some interesting things coming up and we're excited about it. We pray your blessings upon all the missionaries that will be coming and for the funds that we need to give to them and to be a blessing to them. Great things to be said and done. We just commit all this to you. We're just your servants. We want your blessings. So bless us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.